Shooters, welcome back. Welcome in. We hope you are enjoying playoff basketball. Should be a fun year of playoff basketball because it doesn't seem like there's any one team that is ahead above anybody else. And so um, it'll be fun to see who's able to get through their conference and, and make the finals. And we should have a good finals this year. And so we hope you're enjoying that. Um, with that, we have uh, a wonderful guest that we bring on the podcast today. We bring on Derek Schulte. He's the head boys basketball coach down at Pella. And Derek's got a really awesome story, as many of our guests do. Um, from Iowa State to Co to Central to Montezuma and then eventually down to Pella, um, had the opportunity to work and be involved with several really neat programs, um, some great coaches, and learned a lot along the way. And is now putting that into practice down at Pella. And so it was cool to get his insight um, and his development as a coach and what he continues to do to make sure that his teams are reaching the goal of competing for championships each year. And so we hope you enjoy this one. Uh, a lot to take from it. Let us know what you think. And as always, shoot or shoot. I was getting, I was getting a lot of no letters. And I kept some of the letters because it was like motivation for me. I was young in my coaching career. I did know that those guys I was coaching, this was their one opportunity. Did you really want the players to like you? Just make them better. If I want to keep playing this game, you know, as a job, I, I have to continue to get better at that. You have to figure out a way to carve out some value that you have that you can bring not only to your team but also your profession. It's really good information, and I pick up little nuggets all the time. For me, it's all about confidence, man. You have to have confidence to be a shooter, to be uh, a basketball player in general, and to have success. So you, it's all about confidence. If they walk a mile in my shoes, then they can ball like I do. But my game different, not the same with it. I travel now, y'all just change, pivot. Well, Coach Schulte, welcome to the Shooter's Touch. Hey, thanks for having me. Really excited uh, to be a part of this and just want to say uh, what a wonderful go- job you guys do uh, highlighting the state of Iowa and basketball. So appreciate it, and it's an honor to be a part of it today. Well, thanks, Coach. We appreciate you saying that. Definitely makes it easy. Uh, we have so many great coaches and great programs throughout the state. Uh, makes what we do, what we do on this end a lot easier and a lot more fun for us. And so, thanks for taking some time to chat with us. Uh, we're actually recording here uh, as you guys are hearing this. This is Easter Easter night, and we're all kind of recovering from candy and Easter egg hunts and fighting off the snow and all that fun stuff. And so, uh, ultimately, what was what's what's the story at uh, home? What do you have for kids? Paint the picture a little bit for everybody who may not know. Yeah. Um... Yeah, my family, my wife, Brianne, uh, we've been married since 2005. So uh, we've got three great kids, an eighth grade son, Austin, a sixth grade daughter, Brinley, and then a third grade daughter, Blythe. So they definitely keep us busy at different ages with different activities. And you talk about, um, you know, recording on Easter night, that's because every night of the week, we're probably at uh, someplace else doing a different sporting event, whether right now that's track or uh, softball or a basketball practice or whatever that might be. Yeah, absolutely. We, we talked a little bit about that off air, how great the, the Sunday evening seemed to work for the recording just for everybody's schedule because we're all going in different directions. Hopefully you've had a chance here out of season now to uh, take a little bit of a deep breath with your kids. You, they're at a fun age. Like you said, you have the activities, but also then I assume that they kind of know 
um, and are involved what dad uh, does and being able to be around the team and come to the games. And so what, what, what has that been like as your kids continue to get older and kind of understand the process and everything that goes into a little more? It's been a ton of fun. As every head coach knows, it, it's a family job, right? It, it's something that whether it's uh, during the winter, during the summer, uh, you're around the team, you're in the gym, you're doing those things. And the thing I always say about all the teams I've been able to coach with that's been over at Montezuma or now here at Pella is they've been a great job just embracing our kids and making them feel a part of it. And obviously now they're at that age where my son's in eighth grade. He's not hanging out as a water boy anymore like he did at one point. He's up, uh, you know, in sort of the middle school student section uh, and cheering from there. So it's fun to see that evolution of what's happened, but it's, it's, it's exciting to have them be around when it's possible for them to be. Well, yeah, it's going to be exciting for them, too. And it'll be interesting to think back, uh, you know, obviously, like you said, eighth grade, it won't be too long and he'll be knocking on the door and trying to figure out what his role is on the team and how things are going to look for him. And that'll create a whole new dynamic for you guys in your household, which uh, we'll report back on that. Can't wait to can't wait to see how that uh, stacks up here in a couple of years. But um here at the Shooters Touch, we always want to turn back and know a little bit about how the start happened. Um, and so growing up, what role did uh, basketball and sports in general play? I know Southeast Iowa, I believe, is where you grew up. And so I imagine you were, um, like many of us small-town Iowa kids, whatever sport was in season was the one we were playing. But uh, tell us a little bit about your childhood in uh, sports and family dynamic. Yeah, sports were a huge part of my upbringing and, and helped shape who I am today. Uh, I was fortunate to uh, have a great family. My parents were super supportive. And in that time, uh, when you're at a 2A size school, Mediapolis is where I graduated from, you did play year-round. Now, off-seasons look different at that point in time than they do now in terms of the commitment level. But uh, it was year-round. And so you went from football season to basketball uh, to track uh, and then play baseball in the summer. And so um, it, it was a ton of fun. Um, I, you know, I look back on those days fondly because of the teammates and many of the guys I still stay in contact with, whether that's via text or getting together uh, at, at, from college reunions and different things with that. Uh, but then also those coaches uh, that played a huge impact in my life and sort of was ultimately the reason I got into uh, coaching and why we had such great experiences. So, you know, a, a couple of those, Coach Hilton uh, was my varsity coach with Coach Worrell, who's a head varsity coach right now um, at Mediapolis. He was my JV coach back uh, in the day. But then Paul Runquist, who's not was state champion coach at Mount Pleasant, now at Iowa City West, came in for his first head coaching job my senior year. And so all three of them, different styles of coaches, different people, but um, just had a ton of fun playing the game of basketball and play most importantly with the guys that you grew up playing with over time. Yeah. You know, a couple of things there, coach. Um, we talk about all the time that, you know, you're, uh, you're from, you know, smaller towns um, playing, playing all the, all those sports is a must. Um, you know, we're in time, especially down here, um, you know, in the capital city where, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of kids that specialize or, or, or can, can, can I guess specialize in that certain sport, but, you know, number one, playing all the sports because you have to, number two, there's just, just, I mean, something, you know, whether you play after high school, um, or after college, you know, there's just something to be said about playing with those guys you grew up with, those guys or girls you grew up with. So that's, a um, you know, it's very, very um, similar to, um, our upbringing as well. So that's cool to hear that. But, uh, and so, you know, you mentioned you played a lot of different sports there. What, uh, what did, what did high school sports look like all four seasons for you then? It was, I, I ended up being a 
four sport letter winner. Um, you know, I did take some time off of football and then came back into it as one of those where I was oh, I'm gonna concentrate on basketball um, type of a thing. But ultimately, it was one of the best decisions I made was coming back out uh, for football. But yeah, we just had a, a great opportunity and we had a great core group of friends that played three, four sports. And that was common uh, back then. Now, not as much. Right. You don't see uh, that. You see more two, three sport athletes. But uh, it was it was a ton of fun. And I think we got to play different roles in different sports. Right. And I think that's good uh, from a team aspect. And sometimes maybe this sport wasn't my top sport, uh, but hey, I really wanted to be there for my teammates and for, for that group of guys. And I'd say that was probably track for me. I blame my lack of uh, wanting to run now on my track experience. Like I love the track coach. I love the guys I was with. I can't say that I enjoyed track every day, but it was something that I knew I needed to do uh, to, to be the best athlete I could be. It's funny. Um, I actually took uh, some time off the football field as well. Uh, my sophomore year, I believe, uh, went out for cross country, um, ran one race on a very hilly golf course and decided I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get football in their shot. So I went back out, out for football after that. So we got, we got, we got something common there. <laughs> Um, well, that's great coach. And, and so I know that obviously with that core group of guys you mentioned, um, and, and Amino, uh, playing all those four sports, you know, we talk and we ask this question all the time to coaches. Um, what, uh, what aspect of, I mean, you know, uh, not having to specialize playing all those sports, how did that help you? You know, we always talk about basketball, but you know, how did, how did, um, having to play all the sports or playing all those sports help you in, in those other, in those other sports with those other teams? Yeah, I think a couple things of, of one, you're learning to compete and compete in different ways. And I, you know, we love guys in our program now that are competing in multi-sports. I think that's something that we really value. And, and Appella as an activities program is, is something that's really valued there. And then the other piece I just hit on is, is what I said earlier. It's hey, sometimes the best player in basketball isn't the best uh, football player. They're playing a much different role. And I think all of a sudden as a teammate, it gives you a different perspective of of what your other teammates might be going through. And all of a sudden you're getting all the shots here and somebody else isn't, and they're playing a, a much smaller role there of how to be the best team possible and be the best teammates you can be. And so I think there's multiple benefits to it, especially at a younger age, you know, and I get that over time now with off seasons, it's harder and harder uh, to go from sport to sport, but I think it's important to, to really try to branch out and help your school system as best you can. Yeah. You know, um, the athletes, you know, at a smaller school, sometimes those athletes are the best player on multiple, um, you know, on multiple teams in multiple sports, but, you know, you're, you rarely see that guy or girl who is the best athlete or the best player in three, four sports. Um, and so you're exactly right. You know, I think playing those, um, have, having played multiple sports, playing multiple sports, get you in that mindset of, you know, Hey, I need to be a good number two or a good number three. And that actually helps you when you're the number one in that in, 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 you know, a specific sport or certain sports. So we totally agree with you um, on that as well. But uh, what about, you know, obviously you're a coach now, um, middle school, high school, you know, when did that, that coaching bug kind of hit you? Yeah, that's a, a great question. Um, actually, a sort of funny story is my senior year in high school. I can't believe they let us do this. Um, I, I went off campus for a, a college course, Southeastern Community College in Burlington. Great JUCO, right? I have some high-level uh, D1 player. Joe Bryan was the coach there. 
and they had a class called Theory of Coaching Basketball. So I was, I was in a good spot my senior year at Mediapolis. And so there was uh, three of us that went down and took Theory of Coaching Basketball and then a sports management class with their AD. And it was awesome. Like, I can't believe I'm getting credit for this uh, type of a thing. Uh, but then it sort of led into um, my next step at college. I, I, I had some opportunities to, to look at Division III, um, ultimately decided to be a student, went to Iowa State, um, spent one year as a freshman coach at Roland Story, and that was my sophomore year in college just up the road. Um, uh, Craig Claver was the head coach there, and so great experience for me as a young guy. The mornings, morning practice as a, as a sophomore in college maybe didn't match up perfectly. So, uh, you know, the, the next two years, um, I got an opportunity to be a student assistant or student manager at Iowa State. And so, you know, to be around the program, that was Larry Eustachie's last two years there uh, with, with Coach RB, Randy Brown, Bob Sunvold, and others, and just got to see a behind-the-scenes look of, hey, a Big 12 program, the day-to-day that's going on. And, you know, I think going through that process knew, hey, where my next step was in some place in education and coaching. Yeah. Um, well, I don't, I don't know if I can speak for you, Brian, but uh, I took all those theory of coaching classes, <laughs> not just one. So uh, we, we haven't, we have something else in common there. So, um, well, great. So uh, I guess let's maybe talk specifically about your time at Iowa state. Um, obviously there with, uh, with, with, with a couple really good teams. So um, who, who was all on those teams, you know, who, and it may follow up question with that, who uh, impressed you the most um, on the floor on, on uh, the practice floor on those teams? You know, so uh, I was, my first two years as a student would have been sort of the heyday of Iowa State, which would have mm-hmm. been Pfizer and Tinsley's years. And then I followed up those next two. And, and so it was a little bit of a mix of a new group uh, that came in. But, but one guy that always stood out, Jake Sullivan. Um, Jake was there. Jake was just a worker, right? The guy was always in the gym and you talk about somebody who you talk about earned the right to be a elite shooter. Uh, he, he did that by the way he worked. He was a great teammate. He came in as a freshman and, and took on all the, the difficult challenges ahead. And so, and, and just treated people the right way. And, and so sometimes as when you're in a manager or student assistant role, that can look a lot of different ways. I had a lot of respect for the guys at Iowa State because of the way you know, they treated everybody in the program. And Jake was one of those guys that led that way there. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely, definitely some good teams there. Uh, those those last couple of years of the Stacey era. Um, what about one thing that surprised you? Um, maybe, you know, the first or second year that uh, you walked into in that, uh, um, I guess, in that program, uh, as far as coaching goes, uh, you know, one, one surprise maybe you didn't expect. Are you talking about at Iowa State? Yep. Yep. At Iowa State. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I think that one, you quickly learn at that level, there's the business aspect and it's a whole different level of the commitment, the uh, motivational techniques and the just different things that you go into um, a power five school like that. Right. And so um, unfortunately the end there wasn't the, the greatest. Right. So, I mean, I, I was there as it went out. And so you, when you're a part of that piece, uh, that's a that's a unique challenge that you see firsthand when hey you end your season after a banquet and so on of hey the um, whole staff is essentially let go now it ended up being Wayne Morgan gets the job and most of the guys stayed on staff and so on uh, but you see right away that hey this business is not easy right and and even though you might have success at one time that can quickly change uh, depending on situations. 
And it's such a such an uncomfortable situation too, and kind of having not knowing what the future holds for some of those guys. I was working camping on campus with the Hoiberg to um, Prom switch. Uh, Hoiberg started the camp and Prom ended the camp, so that week was uh, was an interesting one for everybody involved. Um, and like you said, it's part of the business. It's it's something maybe even more interesting for me from an outsider trying to trying to play detective of what was going on and who's going to stay and who's going. But uh, those guys seem to get a little bit more used to it. But what, so when you were at Iowa State, what was your specific role? Um, I know as a student manager, you know, everyone kind of kind of takes a little bit different of a niche. Did you kind of find one of yours? Was there something on the player development side or administration side or what were you kind of um, one of your main roles when you were at Iowa State? You know, I think the thing that helped me the most from that time, one is, you know, a couple of those coaches that I had mentioned, Randy Brown, Bob Sunfold, the assistants that were there really took uh, a group under their wing and were, were trying to develop and trying to give us opportunities in uh, different ways. And so, you know, my senior year, I had the opportunity to go to practice every day, right, and, and uh, be involved. And it could be as simple as running the clock to being a passer for something, but uh, pretty simple in that way. But the best stuff was you got to travel to games and after games, um, our film guy, Dave Edwards, and some of the assistants, but then us were in there getting to sort of break down film and they had a specific board that was that was done every single game that they needed to have for the next day of practice that talked really about breakdowns of players right and right. getting into specific things and I really it's really where I learned how to watch film uh, in a different way because you were looking uh, to see how somebody closed out did you give up cont and contain penetration did you block out and so it really changed the way I viewed uh, the game and I give a lot of credit to those guys for that opportunity just to be a part of it and learn now not to date you coach but this is like actual film too right this isn't huddle or synergy or any of that stuff right you're watching tape it is tape well I mean you're yeah, you're videoing it, and then it was transferring it over to computers, so there was some piece yep. with it, but that first one, no, it was tape, and I still remember going into that team room, and you know what I mean, and, yep. and, and putting the, the tape in there and doing it, so yeah, so it's it's really dating me, that's, that's sad to say, but that's the way it was. Well, we've had we've had some younger coaches than you on that have talked about cutting tape too. So don't don't feel too bad, but uh, it's it's always funny uh, to talk about that and how also how quickly things change to the point now where we're just sharing film and you're shooting stuff back and forth and you're breaking it down. And I mean, it's still there's still a lot of skill involved in what you're looking at, but the ease to get it is obviously. Uh, changed considerably over the years but so senior year things get wrapped up what's the future where what are you what's the plan um, I think ultimately you ended up at Co. if I know the timeline correctly but uh, what was the thought process were you like yeah, I have some I have some high school experience I kind of like this college stuff what were you thinking and then ultimately what led to that decision yeah, um, I graduated with a marketing degree. By that point, I wanted options of, hey, I, I really wanted to go into education, but was close enough with the business degree, didn't want to just abandon that at that point. And so had a great opportunity at Co with Brent Brazzi uh, to be a grad assistant. And so I worked on my master's um, in education to be certified to be able to teach then business education and then working every day uh, with him. And that was a great experience for two years as a grad assistant. Life was a little different. I wasn't married, didn't have kids. I, I felt like I was recruiting, you know, a lot, um, going to practice, doing all those types of things. Uh, but it was a great learning experience because it was like a full-time job that was basketball. 
And so at that point, I wasn't hundred percent sure if, if I wanted to be in the college side, which I knew at that point going to co and so on, is probably more in that division three NAI realm or go the high school route. Uh, but over time, it, it obviously started to lean towards that high school route as time went going uh, with it. But uh, those two years at co are something I look back very fondly. Brent Brazi, now the head women's coach at Cornell college uh, is, is where he's at. Uh, just tremendous guy, great uh, at practice planning. Our practices, um, I would say, do have a structure even similar uh, back to where he was, where probably my Iowa State uh, learning experience there when he talked about defense and rebounding and some of those core values took those pieces away. So it's just fun to start to piece together your own philosophy through the lens of some of these other coaches. Absolutely. That's exactly what it takes. So what, what two what years were you at Cal? Let's see here. It would have been, um, I graduated Iowa State in 03, so 03 to 05. Okay. I was going to say, because, um, so I would have been at Warburg, came in, I graduated in 03 and would have gone to Warburg that, in that, uh, uh, that following spring or that following fall. And so I remember Brazi and then I remember him moving to Cornell too. And so uh, I was trying to, trying to put the timeline together. So it would have been some overlap there. And then, um, then went to Central, correct? Is it was that the next step? So what uh, what led to that um, position? And then obviously you finished your program at Co. Um, and then were you looking? Obviously, I know you said you're going to eventually get to the high school game, but college game still kind of holding on a little bit. It was. So I, I was engaged then at that point. Uh, my wife had a job in, in Pella actually um, at that time already, and so uh, we were getting married then after my two years at. Uh, co and so I was obviously looking for different options and, and, and what came available is uh, an opportunity to teach at Southeast Polk uh, as a business teacher and then um, continue to be an assistant and at that time the Iowa conference um, under coach Boshi at Central and gotten to know coach Boshi coach Nelson just through recruiting through the couple years in the Iowa conference and two great guys uh, with it and so took advantage of that opportunity and then after that one year at Central uh, took the head job at Montezuma and that's when I had jumped into that high school realm and so um, there was a period of time and for a number of years where I taught I lived in Pella I taught at Southeast Polk and I coached at Montezuma. And oh, so I, I, ne I never looked at and, and totaled up, uh, you know, how much gas money it cost because it didn't matter, right? You just wanted to coach basketball and, and, and be able to lead a program. And it was a great experience. But I look back at that and say there was some, some crazy drives and some, and some crazy trips there. I was gonna, I was gonna ask even before we got to the Montezuma or yeah, Monticello one that um, with where you were living when you were coaching it, uh, at Central, because if you're driving to Southeast Polk from Pella and then recruiting as the assistant, obviously that's your main role um, in that D, in that Division Three level. If you're the assistant, you're the lead recruiter. You're out um, going to games, and so uh, the amount of miles that you put on um, had to have been pretty wild. Because then, so the entire time, so what was the next step? So then after Central, you said, okay, um, I want my own program, or kind of how did how did that progression work? That's exactly what happened. You know, it was one of those where, hey, I, I love my time uh, at Central and with Coach Boshi. It was just one where, okay, now I'm married. That that recruiting uh, time just looked different. And, and you're talking about even I just remember going up to BV on a on a weeknight, right, getting back late, going to school the next day to teach at Southeast Falcons. Like, okay, it's time to, you know what I mean, go the high school route uh, with it. And uh, Montezuma had an opportunity 
And it sounds crazy that you drive like that. But once again, didn't have kids at that point. The drive didn't bother me um, at all. And we had the opportunity to meet with um, Coach Al Rabinald, who's a Hall of Fame coach, um, was the AD at, Mon at Montezuma at the time. And it was just, it was just really impressed with, uh, with him, the program that had been, been there and the opportunity. And so uh, took advantage. And, and Southeast Polk was terrific with that administration of just being able to make all that work right? And trying to uh, sometimes get in there early to get out to be able to get to practice, right? And so just right. had to be creative with some of those things to make that happen. Yeah, I was gonna say the logistics in season to get to where you needed to go to catch the bus to get all those places. There's a lot, uh, a lot of moving parts that uh, a normal head coach deals with, even when they live in the community. Um, and so that's interesting that you went, uh, went to such great lengths. But um, I will say too, I think that sometimes the drive two thirds of them are good because you get a chance to kind of clear your head and kind of think and get the process and kind of be focused, ready to go. As opposed to sometimes you just go from one headache to the next, you kind of have that time in between, but I can imagine there's a few, uh, a few coming home late at night that made you a little nervous too. Um, as far as getting back and being like, man, this is, this is crazy. What are we doing? But, uh, all worth it. Uh, how many years then did you spend over at Montezuma? I was there as a head coach for 11 years. And so then my last four, I actually went over to Montezuma and ended up being in a school improvement role over there. And so nothing but, you know, just great people, great community. And I was fortunate to work with great assistant coaches there. But most importantly, great kids, right? And kids that uh, some were basketball players, some were athletes that played basketball. Um, but uh, they just, you know, I, I would say uh, fully bought into what we were trying to do as a program and it was just just uh, you know I compare my time at Mediapolis to Montezuma I think a lot of similarities um, and just a lot of good people and so it, it was a, it was a ton of fun uh, during that stretch there and actually not gonna lie it was a really hard decision to leave because it's one of those where hey I was just really happy as a coach right you you really like where we're at as a program the direction that we were uh, headed and um uh, opportunity had to be excellent for me to ever leave there. Uh, that's how that's how strongly I felt about Montezuma, and obviously Pella was one of those, right? And uh, my family was living in Pella, and it's and a great tradition, great program, and, and was one that I couldn't couldn't pass up on. Uh, but it, it was one where you sort of leave with tears on one end, and that's true. You come out of a team meeting there where you're 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 sad, uh, but really excited uh, on the other end as well. Well, and you uh, obviously knew you had a few, uh, a, a couple good classes coming um, with Montezuma as well as uh, what event um, coach was on staff with you, right? That ended up uh, taking them to the state championship here now, what now, two years ago. Um, that was a good group. That was a fun group to watch too. So I imagine that uh, obviously you kind of know a little bit of Pella and what, you, what you're getting into. And like you said, it had to be the perfect opportunity, but a little bittersweet to, to leave some, some young kids coming up. And like you said, a program um, in which that had been building. Uh, so I guess, so, so twofold, I guess with that, more importantly, what, when you took over at Montezuma, what do you remember being kind of like the first, first three year plan on, on what we're going to change and how you're going to ultimately make that your program? Yeah, we just, we came in and, you know, really didn't coming from the outside. I didn't have a ton of perspective on what was there before. And so just really tried to establish what 
we wanted to be about, which, um, you know, our, our saying is team together. We want to be a, a team that wins and loses together. Everything's a team first motto with it. Uh, but sort of our core values, hey, we want to defend, rebound, value the basketball. We think you're in and you're out. You do those three things. You give yourself a chance. And then we always say, hey, we love guys that can put the, guy, the, put the ball in the basket as well. And we want to play with, with great pace and, and, and play an exciting brand of basketball. And so that sort of evolved over time because obviously I'd say even more so at Montezuma, sometimes you had to tweak year to year uh, based on your talent, based on your team, your personnel. Uh, but those core values always stood out. And, and so um, we were for, I was super fortunate to have great assistant coaches all along the way from Dennis Wilson, who was a longtime coach. And when I took over there, I'm a 24 year old head coach coming in there and I've got an assistant that uh, is over 50. Right. And he just, just totally embraced everything we were doing. I just remember him taking me around town, taking me out to eat all the time, you know, just, it, it, it was a really fun experience. And uh, then unfortunately he passed away. And so we had different people that stepped up from Ryan Van Veen, who was the football coach for a year, John Bashong, a longtime volunteer. And, and then eventually Derek Dangler came in and, and just a uh, great guy and excellent coach. And it's been fun to see the success that he has had as well. And that made uh, being able to move on, I think that much easier knowing that that program was in excellent hands and somebody who I knew was going to do a great job. Uh, with it so it was a total team approach when you talk staff and, and players buying in well and going all the way back to talking childhood I mean that's something where you need to have your athletes out um, for all sports obviously basketball but they need to play all the sports and so um, it is it's very important that you have buy-in from all your coaches and from your community and then from the kids and the parents as well and um, and also to your point, it, it makes it a lot easier when you have faith and confidence in the person that will be taking over, makes that decision a little bit easier because you do. I mean, at the end of the day, you feel bad for the kids, you feel bad for the families, you know, those those juniors, those sophomores, those freshmen, those kids that have been looking forward, um, you know, who've been growing with you um, along the way. But uh, yeah, when you can leave them in good hands, it always makes it a little bit easier. And so when the Pella job came available, is this, was this a no brainer from, uh, I at least got to, I at least got to feel it out with the family, with kind of everything that uh, you have going on or, um, or what was the thought process there? And then take us a little bit through that kind of that week or two and ultimately then saying yes to, to the Pella Dutch. Yeah, no, I have to say I was very excited about the opportunity. And as we discussed earlier, it was just that challenge of leaving something that you really invest in, in terms of Montezuma. And we really invested um, in that community and, and the school and so on. Um, really, the the major uh, sort of question mark to it was, is does a, a job match up with it? You know, not just basketball, right? And so uh, that took some time and actually took uh, beyond just when I was hired. Uh, to, to be able to make that piece work out uh, with it. But um, ultimately it did. And just the opportunity to get in the same district um, as, as my family to, to live, uh, be in education right now. I'm an assistant principal at, at Pella High School and then coach in the same district is it just a great opportunity. And, and uh, there's no doubt that the history of Pella, I have a ton of respect for Coach Core and the, the program that he uh, had here prior. And you just know when you hear Pella, one of the things you think of is Pella basketball, right? And, and so um, it, it's a great opportunity uh, that just couldn't be passed up. And when we came in, we just said, hey, we want to do two things and, and, and hopefully have the opportunity to do both. And 
We said our vision was to compete for championships and have a positive impact in our community and school. And we really think that can be both. And we want to be a program that is just bigger than basketball. Um, and fortunately, over the last five years, uh, we feel like uh, we, we've been fortunate, we've been blessed, and, and it's something we strive for each year to do both those pieces. Some years it works out uh, with the championship, other years it doesn't, right? Uh, but ultimately, it doesn't mean you're, that's what the goal is, is, right, is you're trying to get there. But it's really about uh, that process to get there. And when it doesn't work out, hopefully there's things beyond the court that we're taking away from our program. And that's something that is really important to us. All right. So do you miss the driving? <laughs> Believe it or not, um, at times, yes. Uh, because I, I know it was said on here earlier of, I'll say after a game, uh, when I would drive from Montezuma to Pella, I had time to just think, reflect. Yep. I called some coaches, right? There's some people, <laughs> I mean, there's just things that you just did. Where, where now my 10-minute drive, five-minute drive, whatever, it's not the same there. But um, on the other end, like all that time that was spent in the car it is spent in a better way right now and more right. opportunity to be with family and uh, to, to use it in a more efficient way. Uh, and so ultimately, it's, it's been uh, the best. And if I need a longer drive, I can just take a couple of weeks around town right, before go. I go home. But yeah. uh, the goal is still when you get home, you don't want to bring all that uh, into the house all the time. And that was easier uh, to, to do when you have a longer drive. And so it's just something you got to really focus in on uh, right now to make sure when I'm home, I can be home with my family. Absolutely. Yeah. Just, uh, just got to take the long way home one, once in a while. Not a, not a big deal. <laughs> um, well, hey, uh, obviously we've talked to a lot of coaches and I mean, Brian's been um, a head coach, high school coach. I've had a couple of volunteer opportunities and, and you know, you need a support staff behind you, right? So whether that be assistant coaches, whether that be family, um, you know, you need that, but you also need, you know, some mentors along the way too. And you, and you referenced a couple of them, but um who is, who's the biggest mentor, maybe, maybe, maybe one or two um, on you as a coach. Um, and then maybe talk a little bit about some of the, of the coaches you've had the opportunity to work with um, who have influenced um, your, your basketball philosophy as well. Yeah. Um, I, I would go to coach Brazi as somebody who probably had the biggest impact on uh, the way we run our program. Uh, I just think he was somebody that, Obviously, at that level, you're super highly organized. You run an a, a intense, efficient practice that gets a lot done. Um, but I think the culture that he wanted to establish, which was done in a positive way, is something we've tried to emulate. And so, um, you know, I just think he, he was great at building relationships with his staff, with players. And that's something that we really value and do when you talk of just some of those core value pieces the defend rebound value the basketball some of that came from iowa state and that's after obviously they're highly tuned into hey, you can't have 17 things you want to do well right and so you got a zero in of uh, here's what we're about and making sure our players our coaches know uh, what what that's about uh, with it um and then uh, i would say as we've as i've grown older as a coach it was great having al raven all over at Montezuma. You know, he was somebody at that time that eventually was retired, but would sub in the district. And we used to have like coaching sessions at lunch, right? It was just like a lunch and learn. And we we're just talking hoops all the time. And, you know, it was fun to get his perspective uh, and just be able to talk. And so then that evolved with Coach Dangler, 
And then my guys right now, you know, I, I have an awesome staff at Pella. We came in, I mean, Forsyth is my assistant, Jeff Buchanan, Mike Van Wyck, and those, those, and then Ethan Gordon was a student assistant for us, a student manager, and then stayed on as a volunteer. And what was fun about those first four years is it was that same staff the whole way. And then like last year in the championship season, uh, Bobby Quayle added on as a, as a volunteer coach and so on. But when you have that type of consistency, I think you're able to really dive into some deep conversations. And I'm always one of, hey, I want our assistants to challenge what we're doing. Let's think outside the box. What, what are some things that we can do better and not be afraid to push the envelope in that way? It's interesting you say that too, because, you know, you always hear that players need to be coachable, but, you know, I think that if a head coach is coachable as well, you know, and when I say coachable, you know, willing to take some feedback, as you said, from assistant coaches and not say, Hey, it's my way or the highway. Um, you know, that obviously progresses the team and progresses philosophy. Um, a lot quicker in my mind too. So, um, obviously a good thing there too. And, you know, you, you, you referenced coach station. We've had, um, well, we've, heard the stories and had a couple of his players on the podcast as well. Um, do, do, does your current team or his team's condition more in, <laughs> in practice? That's not close. <laughs> <laughs> we've heard it. We, we, we've heard it's just a track meet sometimes and maybe even basketballs didn't even get brought out. You know, we, we actually modified uh, one uh, before I maybe get to that coach, you you know, I, we have, I think you got to be yourself as a coach. And mm-hmm. my personality doesn't match up with the way that he motivated and the way that he coached. Yep. What he was mm-hmm. excellent at is he was super simple. He demanded excellence in those areas. And uh, if he didn't get it done, he held people accountable. Right. And so he was great at getting results in those ways. Um, I just think back, they had something called links at the beginning of practice, which is five lengths of the floor in 30 seconds. And that was the condition at the end. That was like starting practice before like 15 minutes of weave and stuff. Um, I, I joke with our guys, we actually run what we call a team run um, almost every day to finish practice. And it's actually just one of those, you know, one, one time and, and you have to run as a team. So you got to stay together up and yep. down the floor. Somebody gets a header behind, you blow the whistle, start it over type of a thing. And so that has been something we have taken from Iowa State and evolved into, hey, we want to finish every practice as a team. And so he, yep. his way, he wanted to start every practice that way and then add a little conditioning to it. But no, it's not yep. close. They, they, <laughs> and, and, and obviously, obviously a few things that he would do in practices is – um, are probably things you can do in college as a, as a college coach rather than high school. So we also understand that, but yes, we've heard some, uh, some horror stories from, from multiple sources about those practices. <laughs> Physical and intense is a great way to describe them. Right. Right. That is, that is great. That's great. But, but, you know, as, as you kind of mentioned, you know, you, you gotta, as a, as a, as, as a coach kind of pull things from different avenues, um, you know, your, your personality obviously didn't, didn't even mesh up with, with, with his, which is okay. But, you know, you, you got a couple of things from him, got a couple of things from, you know, older coaches when you were um, a head coach for the first time and stuff like that too. So um, what about some of uh, the, the, the coaching uh, philosophies that you have? Uh, you mentioned a couple of them earlier, but you know, what are those, you know, three, four, five of um, pillars that, you know, you want to be known as, um, as a coach or as a team? Yeah, you know, I think if you would watch our Pella team play, 
and even if you went back to Montezuma, you're gonna you're gonna see a team that does look to play fast. You know, we look to to really play with in common terms pace and space, and spacing is something that we really you know, drill with it. And really, we're giving our guys a lot of freedom on the offensive end. We want to put a system in place where we can gain advantages, and and often trying to get our best players to gain an advantage be able to make a decision based on how the defense reacts and then being willing to make the extra pass. And that's a huge piece for us. Something we track um, every day in practice is our assist to turnover ratio. I know analytically, right. We look at all the major four things that impact winning of the Dean Oliver four stats of, you know, EPO goal percentage, offensive rebound percentage, turnover percentage and free throw factor. We definitely look at those and chart those, uh, but our unofficial one of our team and team culture is our assist to turnover ratio because we want to be a team that shares the basketball and, and it just trusts our teammates in that process. Um, and so that's something we really value. As I had mentioned earlier, I think those are the things you think, hopefully think of when you think of Pella basketball, but when we were able to make that championship run late season, what we really developed was on that defensive end. And I think any championship team ultimately is going to have to win and be able to get stops down the stretch and find ways to get key rebounds. And so that's something we really, we really strive for as well. Yeah. And so, um, with a small obviously Montezuma was a little bit smaller than than school you're at now with Pella. But um, how much do you, as a as a high school coach, change up um, you know not your philosophy, but you know how you play um, on a year to year basis? Is that something you come into every year and say, okay, we're going to have to maybe change this or that, or are you pretty I mean strict on that and say, um, hey, we're not going to change anything. This is what we do, and you know if you fit in this mold, you fit into this mold. Yeah, I'm a big believer in as a high school coach, we have to adjust to our players and mm -hmm. make sure that we can maximize the talent that we have. Um, I'd say over the last five years, uh, we, we have played a similar style and just tweaked some of the pieces within there uh, to better fit it, whether we have a big guy or the last three years or so, we've really have played small ball. Uh, just because that's where our, our best players are and our best athletes, and it's given us the best opportunity. So we had to make a pretty major adjustment uh, for that the past three years. I'd say uh, next year, you know, this year we lose all five starters, and so this summer is going to be a huge summer for us as we evaluate our team, our talents, and, and how to use them in the best way. And so we've got to be ready to tweak a few things uh, if necessary. At Montezuma, we started playing man. We realized that, hey, with some of our athletes, we were better off playing some zone. And our, some of our best teams ended up being two, three zones. It was uh, extended. It was looking to turn people over. Where here at Pella, we've been primarily a man-to-man -man team. And so I think that is just an example of we have to have to be ready to adjust to the strengths of our personnel. Yeah, I yeah, I absolutely agree. That's one of the toughest things with high school is obviously you have feeder programs um, and you have a system in place in which that helps assist that. And so you're hopefully you're not recreating the wheel every year, but you gotta you gotta make adjustments because you you're not able to go out and always have a big man or always have a shooter or always have a point guard. Um, and so that's that's the tough part of coaching on the high school game. Um, but you talked a little bit about the the pace and space, and then ultimately sharing the basketball. Um, what, what's your take on, on the ability once you specifically get into the postseason? it feels like when you, when you play that style, it's one thing to prepare for it. It's one thing to catch somebody on a, a, a late December, 
evening in which that you can kind of beat a team. But when you have a quick turn, you have a team that shares the basketball, you can't load up against one person. Um, you have someone that maybe plays a little bit uncomfortable. And then, like you said, ultimately it makes you real uncomfortable on the defensive end. How big do you think that is come uh, late February into March? It, it's a huge deal. I, you know, the coaches in our league and in our area and just the highest level of 3A are excellent. And I think the further you get in that road, uh, coaches are going to do things to make your tough, your top players really get away from their spots and, and not allow anything to come easy. And I think uh, what's hard for coaches to prepare for is if somebody can go off the balance, beat you and get in the paint and then make the right decision and find the open player and you have four guys that can score from uh, different levels, uh, that's a really dangerous team to play. And so uh, we, we've even seen that in the last two years of the difference of those two and, and, and what teams can do. And so uh, we, we really believe that balanced scoring is something that we, we strive to have. We'd love to be a team that has three, four guys in double figures uh, every single night. At the same point, we know some nights, hey, if somebody can go get 25, well, let's go get 25 and let's keep finding that hot hand uh, with it. But it's definitely, as a coach, much more difficult to prepare for a team uh, that has three, four double figure scores versus one that has uh, 23 a game. Absolutely. Um, so how many, is, is this your seventh year at Pella? How many years have you been at Pella now? You're five. You're oh, five. five. So yeah, so, six years total. So when you took over, a little bit different, a um, little bit different situation because it seems like a lot of times, uh, you know, a coaching change maybe because things weren't going quite as well. A little bit different situation with you and Pella, and, and just Pella historically, um, is like you said, is known for basketball. And so, when you coming in uh, as the head coach here, what what were some of the plans or anything that you wanted to change, or how are you going to slowly, I would imagine, kind of implement yourself and your philosophy into that of the Pella Dutch and what was currently there? Yeah, um, you know, we came in. It was actually interesting. Um, I think they had nine seniors that had graduated from a group that was really good. Um, and so there was one uh, player back that Nick DeYoung, who's now um, playing football over at Iowa, um, that was returning really from the varsity roster that got um, playing time. And so it was a brand new team, a brand new coaching staff that first year in a league that was loaded. And uh, when I say that, it was sort of the, yeah, I think of um, Oski uh, with with Henry and Foster and, and Bourne was a junior Sturts was at Newton and you go down yeah. the list. Um, and there was like four or five D one guys in the league, uh, at that time. So it, it was a, a big learning curve. I'm not going to lie. of just, of, of, of trying to get your system installed, um, and, uh, face a whole nother level uh, of players, uh, that are out there. And so that first year was a real challenge for us. Uh, we were up and down, uh, throughout that year and we sort of expected it because it was a, a new group but I, I can't say enough about that group of laying the foundation they bought into the team together mindset they they really strived uh, to continue to get better and then we were able to take that next jump the the following year and then you know in year three get to the state tournament again and then in year four um, ultimately win the championship. And so, um, you know, I, I still, I, I love seeing guys from that first year's team because we went through some real shared experiences, you know, and, and it, and it wasn't easy, but it was a ton of fun uh, with that group. So, uh, more difficult, uh, preparing for that first year or trying to defend a state title. <laughs> 
<laughs> two different challenges there. Um, I, you know, I, I would say this of year one, I felt like, Hey, we're trying to both as players and coaches learn the league. Uh, because nobody had real experience on the floor uh, where this year um, it, it wasn't as hard of a challenge in that way. It was just the bullseye, right. That was, that was on our back. And then also the idea of, um, you know, Hey, we, we lost some key guys from that year before of that championship run. And how do we ultimately re replace those key pieces, that leadership and so on. And so, um, you know, I would say year one was probably more difficult in that way. Uh, but uh, we definitely, I think, felt that expectation this year. And we tried to just name it right right away. We weren't trying to hide from it. Uh, this is going to be a part of our journey and our season. And we knew it was going to be a lot harder than it was the year before where we sort of just got to have that magical run. Uh, but we really believed, hey, if we keep pushing forward, we're going to be playing our best basketball at the end of the season and give ourselves a chance. Yeah, and which what you guys did obviously had a, had a nice year, and we'll build to that. But um, it also feels like a little bit like this coming year or next year um, feels a lot like your first year. You're graduating uh, a bunch of guys, kind of starting over a little bit. A little bit, it'll be a lot easier for you and your staff because you're not. Uh, you guys aren't starting over, but the the team is kind of starting over, and so. That just tells me another three to four years and we're expecting another state championship here, coach. What do you think of that? <laughs> hey, if, if we can figure that out, I, uh, we'll come back and talk about it again. How about that? I'd love it. No, but you're, you're right. There are some similarities and that's why this summer is so important for us uh, because we got to gain some experience uh, this summer because we know uh, without experience, it is a challenge in the Little Hawkeye Conference. And so we're excited for that opportunity and some young guys uh, in the system will be ready to step up, but it, there will be some challenges like that first year, no doubt. Absolutely. Well, so I got to ask is, is um, Des Moines Christian on those on the schedule for next year? Cause that seems to be we a should, kryptonite. We, we should drop them. I don't yeah. know. What is the deal? I, 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 <laughs> no, I, um, you know, it, it, it's funny of um, what happened is they weren't on our schedule at all. And, and when Gilbert and North Polk went into the raccoon river, we lost a couple opponents that we normally had played, which was Ballard and ADM just because their league had expanded. And so they didn't have enough room. And so uh, we pick up Des Moines Christian and um, they've got us twice. And so, and that, and, and a year ago I was at our place and, and they had a massive comeback on us. So we're, we're keeping them on the schedule, but you're right. I've, I, we should be evaluating that. <laughs> you might need to talk to the AD on that one. See if we can uh, figure something out or it's a good, uh, good measuring stick for you guys too, to be like, Hey, here's the deal. Um, Cause like you said, you're in your championship uh, run two two losses. I believe uh, if I remember correctly in that year, one was them and one, two, obviously, a really good uh, Dallas Center Grimes team uh, that we saw go out and win the championship this year and so yeah it's just it's just interesting the one this year too uh, caught me a little bit by surprise obviously we were talking about it leading into a little bit on the hoop troop and so um, when we when we saw that that uh, came out we're like man that's two years in a row like what is going on um, but uh, that's fun it's a, it's, a, it's a reminder though give uh, Des Moines Christian a ton of credit it's a reminder that good basketball teams it doesn't matter what class you are 
right? We go, we go scrimmage and in the summer play against the four A's or over Christmas break, we got to go up to Johnston and, you know, and do different things. And so at, at the end of the day, good teams are good teams and they've got a good program there. And, and as you can see in our league, every single night, your challenge, we're wanting to have a difficult non-conference schedule. And the truth is for us to play Des Moines Christian, even though they're two A, it, it's a better fit than a maybe bottom tier three A team. And so they are an excellent team, excellent program, and, and have a ton of respect for that group. Well, and talk a little bit about that, uh, how important that is for you guys um, in building for a playoff run at the end of the year to have such a competitive league and a diverse league, too. You talk about it. I mean, you have um, a, a 4A in Indianola, and you have the 2A in Pella Christian, and um, proximity-wise, obviously very close, rivalry. I mean, you have there's a lot of dynamics goes on and on. Um, obviously now with your league, uh, four years in a row, I believe, right. With this, with this, with the state championship. And so, um, how huge is that for you guys then, um, not feeling once you get into, into tournament play that, you know, we've each and every night we have to come with it. So this is not really any different for us. No, and I, I would say what we've seen over the past four years is, the depth of the league is even getting better. So we, everybody knows about the four teams, four different teams, four years in a row. It uh, just shows uh, really how elite the league is in terms of teams that can win a championship. Uh, but even the the four teams that haven't, Pella Christian is, is an excellent uh, two-way program. Uh, and then uh, teams of Newton and, and, and others had really good seasons. And so we're challenged every night. And I think it's something that we do talk about to our players that uh, we got to make sure we use this to our advantage uh, because it can also be one where it can become a grind, right? There's, you don't look at our schedule and be like, oh, here's the night off. Here's our, here's our win by 25. There's not that uh, type of game on our schedule. Uh, the bottom team in our league is going to be well coached and, and have good athletes and be highly competitive. It's just in our league, they're not able to maybe consistently win games. And so uh, that uh, it, it really does prepare us for that 3A uh, tournament run. And I think specifically a year ago in that championship run when we got to Wells Fargo and we're playing, you know, Monticello, uh, we're playing Sergeant Bluff and then ultimately Ballard, we did feel prepared. We felt like we'd seen some of the best teams in the state already and that we were confident in who we were and we didn't have to change what we were about or, or what we needed to do. We just needed to execute at a high level. And so uh, it definitely builds confidence in our guys when you have success, when you have some ups and downs. And even this year, we faced that a little bit. Uh, it can challenge you mentally. But I think if you can push through that and get our guys to see the big term picture, um, it, it can really push you at the end of the year. Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up because actually where I want to go next, uh, don't want to spend a ton of time on it, but I want to get your take. Uh, obviously, the state championship run um, a year ago in, in 21, uh, you mentioned the three teams uh, facing Ballard in the championship game. Uh, it's kind of nice now that we have a ton of time in between because I feel like as coaches, we never allow ourselves to really turn the page and kind of reflect back until everything is taken care of in front of us. We're always thinking kind of next step. And so uh, end, of that, end of that championship game against Ballard, you guys get a nice uh, nine-point win, I believe it was, against them. What do you remember about that, that group of uh, kids, the way that the community came together and just ultimately having the opportunity um, to come home as state champions? a special group and uh, one that, you know, I think uh, we, we talk every team has a journey and will be connected. 
uh, what we talked about at the end of that year is a championship team has a special connection and a unique one and to uh, be the third team in the history of Pella basketball and that's a great history uh, that's there and tradition is something where that group left their mark and um, you know I, this is not coach speak when I say it this is true about these guys um, they are not just excellent basketball players or a team they were amazing leaders then that's what, what got us uh, sort of over that hump is we had a couple off the chart leaders and the togetherness of that group was special and unique and they were great off the floor and their impact in our youth program and just in the community you could see the excitement building but we have kids in our system that want to be like those players and they're great examples great role models uh, for that uh, that that was a fun uh, run and a, and a special season and what was fun about the community piece is hey you get the experience coming back having the celebration in town driving around the square having people waiting for you back at the school a very unique celebration and fun and that that group deserved it just really proud of that that team and they'll uh, in my mind always have a special place in Pella basketball history. Well, and I think uh, if I understand the stories correctly, I think you got a, a couple of sharpshooter friends out of the deal too uh, that reached out to maybe have a few contacts of some guys with some shooters touch that we might need to have on the podcast. Any, any, any truth to a, a certain brothers reaching out and giving the team a little message? Uh, are you talking about Kyle? Yeah. Yeah, Kyle sent a, a congratulations message that night. And that it just speaks to really the Corver family, you know, and what they mean to fellow basketball. But Kyle's been terrific ever since I've been here in terms of his generosity. That we know he's got a million things going on for him to uh, just hear about Pella basketball and, and send a message uh, over text and then uh, allow us to share it with the team and so on is it, pretty special. But even prior to that, uh, two years before that, we were able to go to a Bulls game when he was playing um, and and be able to take the team there. He met with the team afterwards. You know, he just consistently uh, has been willing to, to share um, and and I love his message because it was always not just it wasn't anything about him. It's how, you know, that you can have great experiences um, and shared ownership and just different things. Very unique perspective, tremendous guy. And we're lucky to have somebody who uh, looks back fondly on the program. Yeah, always nice to have uh, uh, support of the program from a, from a guy like that. So that had to have been a lot of fun for those players, too. Something they'll remember, um, obviously, for a lifetime as well. Um, all right, well, we can't let you get out of here without talking a little bit about this previous season. Um, you, you talked about it. You had a few few uh, holes that you guys had to fill with some some players leaving. Still had a really good year, 17-7, and seven, I believe, is what it ended up. Uh, lost to a good winter set team um, to go to state. And so – uh, you, you talked about had a target on the back, um, as if you wouldn't anyway. Um, the purple P shows up; it's already got a target, no matter where you guys go. Um, I think you and and your boys and the whole community, I think, is used to it at this point. Um, that's what that's what happens when you win a lot, and that's not a bad thing. And so, uh, take us a little bit through this this year. I know you kind of ups and downs again. A very competitive league, uh, an interesting league in the fact that. Um, Maybe not. DCG never really separated themselves. And so it was very much, um, you know, kind of night in and night out, very competitive because you had a lot, four, five, six really good teams in the league at, at different classes. And so take us a little bit through this previous year. Yeah. Um, yeah. The journey was more challenging. And um, 
we had talked about that process and are just, Hey, we just keep the eyes ahead, keep the eyes ahead. We really feel like we're going to play our best basketball in February. And, and we did down the stretch. I think uh, we had a great push at the end of the season after we had lost an overtime game to DCG and had strung together a group of wins. And then, um, you know, I got a great tournament win against uh, Bondurant who is really to to be honest, a state tournament quality team. They were excellent, a top 10 uh, rated BC Moore team and um, ran into uh, a winter set team that, that just played terrific uh, in that sub-state game. And, you know, it wasn't the way we wanted to go out, not necessarily just losing, but, you know, I think you talk to any of our guys, we just didn't play a, uh, as clean of a game as, as we were hoping. It didn't shoot as well as we were hoping, but uh, give Winterset credit. They had a lot to do with that, a well-coached team, and ultimately uh, had some success at the state tournament. And so it was a tough ending uh, to a really fun journey. Uh, for this group and I think you look back and it's easy to remember that last game but what I tried to uh, outline to them at the banquet is uh, other than the year before every season you always wanted more right I wanted one more I, the year oh. we made state and got beaten the first round we wanted one more we wanted to, to win at state and so it, when I look back at it it's like this group I think had uh, six or seven top 10 wins uh, this group, uh, you know, really came together at different stretches. And ultimately, this group will be highly successful in life uh, beyond basketball. There's no doubt about that. And so uh, it was a, a true pleasure and honor to coach this team. We wish we would have made one more run at state. Sometimes it doesn't work out that way. That's how basketball mirrors life. Uh, and, and how do we respond to it? And I know this group will continue to. Yeah, definitely um, a lot of perspective uh, in in I mean season to season as you look back, especially after uh, especially after a state title. You know, a lot of perspective. You mentioned that won so many games against top ten and stuff like that. You know, that is that is definitely needed needed um, perspective in those types of situations. So, but um, well, hey, coach, uh, we can't let you get out of here without um, our last section. We like to call rapid fire. Um, where Brian will hit you with a couple questions, some about hoops, most not, and you just let us know what comes top of your head. Let's do it. All right, Coach. Uh, favorite visiting gym or arena, not called Wells Fargo? <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Um, you know, for me, it might not be the, the gym as much as the atmosphere. And so I think of rivals right away, like, hey, when we, we play Pella Christian, uh, when I was at, at Monty, at, at Linville Sully, of places that were always packed and everybody in the community is there supporting it. But the best atmosphere, hands down, we've been a part of uh, was three years ago, Substate against Xavier Foster's Oski team. Uh, when he was a senior, it was actually at Knoxville. And we walked in an hour before the game, getting there, and the whole gym was packed. And walked in. It was one of those goosebump feelings where you walk into a standing ovation. And by the time game started, people are lined up on the walls. I couldn't believe they let that happen, but it was awesome. True standing room only game. And obviously, we were able to win that one. So great memories. But that was without a doubt the best atmosphere I've been a part that's, of. That's great. That was a good one. Um, so you have a game day routine or superstition or something that has to happen on game day? You know, we, I mean, we have a lot of the same ones that probably other coaches do. Uh, uh, we, we dress the same, and so we've got our different outfits and do that. We, we usually wear a shirt and tie under some sort of, um, you know, coaching jacket. We're not straight shirt and tie or, or coat anymore. We sort of wear the jacket over it on the road, a little more casual. 
um, you know, during the tournament run, we did have the, the green pants uh, that became a tradition at the state tournament only uh, yeah. with that. But, um, you know, I, I, probably too many to, to <laughs> say when you start getting into it because it's sort of a routine with everything. But I'd say the coaching gear is probably the, the one that stands out the most. It's a good one. Yeah, especially the pants. I enjoyed those. Um, favorite sports movies? I'll go with two Hoosiers for basketball, but Rudy was probably my go-to as a kid um, like in the nineties. So I, whatever it was about that, I loved Rudy. That's good. Nice. Um, if we could put you on any staff, any coaching staff in America for a week, uh, your opportunity to go, they have two, three games, whatever it is that week, you get to go, you get to be on their staff. You get to kind of learn the ins and outs um any level this can be NBA, this can be college what uh what staff do you think would be interesting to go learn a few things from i'd say steve kerr golden state warriors uh once again you talk about moving the basketball sharing it and he gets elite superstars to buy into that type of a thing uh pretty impressive when, when you look at that so i'd love to just see uh, that behind the scenes system and how they uh, get the best players in the world to buy into sharing the basketball and just fun to have a front row seat to that. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> that, would, that would be fun. So you're about you're about right in that uh, that timeline though. So you were you a Bulls kid growing up? I mean, Southeast Iowa it was Bulls heyday. So there probably had to be some Steve Kerr vibes there too, right? Oh yeah, big Bulls fan. Um, yeah. So if you're you know I know you guys have asked the Jordan versus LeBron piece. That one's not close, right? That's Jordan. Right? <laughs> that is Jordan all the way. I don't, I don't honestly don't even have that on here because, uh, I, when I lined up the dates, I'm like, I think I know where this one's leading. So it's, it's more when I don't know that we'll ask that one. So no, I'm glad you said that though. Uh, obviously, obviously MJ's the go. So, um, but, uh, who, who should we have on the podcast next? Uh, I know that you're, you're a good fan of the program. Who should we have on that we have not, um, had on that, that you think would be interesting to learn more about? Boy, um, you've had a lot of coaches from our league, which are excellent um, when, when you go down that list, because I know you've had Coach Rankin and, um, and others there. Have you had Chris Larson on? I know he's part of Hoop Troop, but have you ever got his story? Because I'd say he's one where in my, as I came into the league, just once again, great respect for, uh, for what he did mm -hmm. at Norwalk and how, uh, unfortunately, he, he and Pella, I think, had some battles over the years, but <laughs> you have a ton of respect for him. And I, and I think his, his journey, and sometimes when you have that perspective after coaching, is always a little different than maybe when you're in that grind. So. So funny enough, we we did have Larson on um, shortly after the state championship run, um, and I'm I'm just I'm we're gonna take credit and say that he had so much fun that he reached out to us and was like, "Hey, we need to do more of that." And it was kind of he was the brainchild behind the hoop troop, and so yeah, um, which I'm sure if anyone that knows coach that knows or would believe that, and so yeah, so that's kind of how that all came together. But uh, is there uh, uh, is there any truth that he's not allowed in Pella? Outside of high school basketball game? Uh, I don't think there's any truth to that. but No um, truth, okay. You know, I, I may have heard some stories from both Coach Larson and some Pella people on, on you know what I mean, some of the battles <laughs> over the years. And we'll, we'll leave it at that. All right, good enough. He'll, he'll have to for sure be under the protective custody of our guy, Doug Deers, too, if he gets That's down right. to Pella. <laughs> 
Oh, that's Doug great. would be another great one. I know he's on Hoop Troop, but just a shout out to Doug. We're fortunate to have Doug in our community. You think of our, our youth systems important in every program, right? And and Doug's a big part of ours at that lower level before our Pella Hoops Club. And so I love what he does for the game of basketball, but specifically growing kids and young men uh, in our community. That is huge. That's a, that's a huge resource to be able to have for your guys' community and a community that size down there to have those programs. I know he does early out and stuff and he, I mean, he's always got something going and some, some, some opportunity to get in the gym and work at work on their game. And so that's big. Uh, you see it on both sides, both on your side, Pella side and Pella Christian side as well. So that's good. Um, favorite. We, we still refer to it as Iowa conference. And so let's go back to either that oh that between three and five or, or your year at Central favorite Iowa Conference road uh, test for you. So not Co or or not Central. Where what was the the gym or arena that you like going to in the Iowa Conference? Well, Wartburg was was the team at that time, and BV was right there too. Both those were the top ones, and. I uh, just still remember uh, going to both those places. It was like a weekend road trip, if I remember right. They were always like tagged up where you played one Friday, one yep. Saturday, and lost like one possession games to both of them. We thought we were going to sneak out of there with a win in both places. So I, I'm going to go with Wartburg, though, just because of their tradition. And 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 Steggy was there, and they just had some real players at that time and were the, the team that you were trying to beat all the time. And that old Knights Gymnasium, uh, the new Levick Arena is pretty amazing, but you, that, it's hard to beat uh, Knights Gymnasium in the snake pit, as we called it. And so uh, that, that place could get rocking, too, that's for sure, especially, uh, especially when a co came to town. Um, obviously, you, you mentioned BV, too, but it got to the point, uh, you know, and, and Co's continued success. Uh, obviously, Luther is Warburg's big rival, but um, at that time wasn't wasn't competitive enough to be as a big of a rival, and it kind of Co kind of took that spot in there, uh, in that window. It was everybody knew when Co was coming to town, and so that one was always always a little extra fun. So. Um, well, we, uh, we like to get out and get an opportunity to come see some games. We come down to Pella. Um, we're not going to take Doug's suggestion. We want to know where, where do we got to go to eat? What do you, what do you have for us? Where do we grab a bite before we come over and watch, watch one of your games? I'm a big fan of George's pizza. Uh, George's, and if you don't want pizza, they got other great foods, steaks and different things as well. But, um, uh, George's is awesome and is, is sort of our family go-to. Yeah, when it goes for a night out. Georgia's got it. Uh, that's great. And we love pizza too. So we're, uh, we're hundred percent on board with that. All right. Two more coach and we'll get you out of here. Shooters touch. Um, this is the name of the podcast for several reasons. What does it mean to you? If uh, one of your players, if you refer to them um, as having the shooters touch. I, I just look at it as someone who has unwavering confidence, a uh, little swagger, uh, and, and that uh, ability to um, be ready when when your team needs you in those big moments, and so I that that's why unwavering confidence, both the ups and downs, and, and being ready uh, for your for your team whenever needed. I like that. We might uh, we might steal that for some marketing pieces. I appreciate that. Um, last one here, coach, and we'll get you out of here. What's the best thing about having the opportunity to be the head boys coach uh, down there in Pella? You know, I think without a doubt is the opportunity to have impact. When when I got into coaching, as I had mentioned earlier, many coaches uh, had a positive impact on me. 
And my, my hope is that I can have that same impact on our players. And you do that with relationships. And oftentimes relationships are developed because in the game of basketball and any sport, you either go through the highest of highs as we experienced a, a couple of years ago and some of the toughest things whenever you end a season and that journey is over. And so those shared experiences, both good and bad, I think develop unique relationships that can last for a lifetime. And that's really what it's about. Obviously, we're striving to be the best program we can be. Uh, but ultimately, um, I, I really hope our guys leave knowing that they got to have experiences with each other, with, with a staff that loves them, and want, want what's best for them and help them in their next step in life. That's great, Coach. We're, we really appreciate you taking some time, sharing some insight, um, sharing your story with us and the listeners as well. We wish you the best of luck here uh, as you guys kind of go through a little bit of a rebuild. We can't wait to see what the rebuild, the quote rebuild looks like next year for Pella. I'm, I'm sure it'll look very similar to the, every other year. Um, fingers crossed, I guess, with that. Uh, good luck this summer. Any Are you guys going to the uh, winter set team camp? Are you guys playing over there? We're down there on Friday. Um, so we're there for one day um, and yeah, just have, that, that's a great one. We haven't seen who we play yet um, in there, but I think last year we played like Valley, uh, Ankeny and Harlan, right? And so yeah. it's like your challenge against some of the, the best in the state. It's an excellent team camp. And then we got some other scrimmages lined up. We're going up to Johnston for a little bit. We'll host one. And so just a mix of different things. And then uh, we have Doug's top 64 league. That's sort of our local league that we're able to play in as well. So it'd be a full summer of basketball and we're excited for it. Well, and before you get out of here too, since you, you mentioned it too, shot clock, what do you think? Uh, how big of a difference, obviously the way that your guys style plays, um, that'll be one of the big adjustments this summer and a lot of reasons to get to these team camps to have an opportunity to practice with it. Um, what are your thoughts? I guess uh, a quick takeaway on that. Really excited as a coach. I think it's a new challenge. Um, I think it's good for the game. I, I don't think in our league you're going to see the impact on every possession, especially as fast as we play with it. But I think you'll see big impact when it comes to end of quarter, end of game situations. Uh, because, uh, hey, that last minute of each quarter and sometimes the last two, three, even four minutes of a, uh, of a game, um, I think you start to see teams play differently. And so all of a sudden there's a new strategy and uh, and new pieces to it and it does reward good defensive teams no doubt about it and so um it'll be a great challenge we're all going to be learning uh, uh, i think early on with it uh, there may be some ugly shots that go up initially you know at the end of those shot clocks but teams and players i, I strongly believe will adjust and adjust quickly um it, it's good for the game excited for it yeah we agree um you know definitely a positive um a positive for the game of basketball in our mind too so as brian said coach it was awesome to hear your story um it was great to meet you um even though virtually uh i'm sure we'll see you around sometime this summer and if nothing else uh maybe catch you at um george's pizza george's pizza um here next 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 winter sometime shooters we got to give a quick shout out to green line design company Jacob over there was the one that helped bring Shooting Santa and Shooting Shamrock to life. Did a great job, it was a lot of fun to work with. Super easy, super professional, and so a uh, big shout out to them. If you wanna reach them, it's greenlinedesignco.com is the best way to see the rest of his work. Um, we appreciate him and helping us out. Um, look to help him out as well. If there's anybody else that you know we can continue to help support or would like to support us here at the Shooter's Touch, We'd love to hear about it. Let us know. As always, shoot or shoot.